I heard a preacher say one time that if you can handle what the vision God gave you, then you're looking at the wrong place. And what he meant by that is if, if you feel that you can manage the vision, the purpose, the calling in your life, then you're not really pulling into God or believing God. Because usually, if not always, when God gives us a call, a vision, it's way over our head. It's something that we have no earthly idea how to make it happen. We are way beyond our means, our ability. And so it's going to require for us to lean on God and trust God. And really that's what God's after, a relationship where we walk with Him. Not just a relationship where we run around and do everything we can, but one where we lean on Him and need Him every day of our life. And so when we come to fulfilling our calling, finding our vision, believing for something, there's always the things that are possible. Those are things that you can fix if you just made a few changes, some decisions you make where you can just fix the problem. But then there's problems we face that are in the impossible realm. And we all hit them sometime in our life. Maybe it's a, a family you're praying for salvation, a, a struggle in a marriage. Maybe it's finances. Maybe it's your calling. Maybe it's your health. We all hit sometime in our life an impossible wall that there's no earthly way that we can make it happen. We can fix it. We're going to need God's help. And that's what I want to talk today about is how to believe for the impossible. And this is really God's heart for the church, is to be able to bring the impossible, the miracles, the signs and wonders, the blind seeing, the deaf hearing, people where the doctors have given up on them, to bring God's abundance of finances to His church to win over the world. These are all things that are impossible. We cannot make it happen. No matter how much we got together and tried, we couldn't do it. We have to go to Him. And that's the thing to learn about the impossible. The impossible means there's only one place to get it, and that's from God. You can never get the impossible out of the possible. The impossible has to come from Him. To Him, it's normal, but to us, it seems impossible. In whatever area of our life that we're facing. So how do we stand and believe when we're facing an impossible situation? Maybe in our callings, our family our marriages, our finances, our health, whatever area it is that you're looking at and you think, there's no earthly way for me to make this happen. Well, then we have to rely on Him. So how do we do that? How do we start to rely on God and to believe God for the impossible? Now, we want to start with plan A, the first step, the most important step. And that is that you anchor your belief system in the truth of the Word, and you never let go of that. You anchor your belief system in the truth of the Word, and you never let go of that. Why do I say the truth of the Word? Because in the Word, there are answers for us. There are promises of God that we can believe for and hold on to. And many people start down the path of believing for the impossible, but they get weary, they get discouraged, they get frustrated, it's taking too long, it doesn't seem like it's working, they get discouraged, and they pull away from believing. They stop standing, and they just ride out life with, this is the best I'm going to get, this will be it, because they give up on believing for the impossible. 
And I understand because it can be very frustrating if you wait for a long time, if you're standing for a long time. You know, in some cases, that's part of it, is the standing is just as important as the victory. So the first answer, the first step that we take when we hit an impossible situation, and you say, God, I I know you're the answer, but I have no way of getting there. I don't know how to fix this. I don't know how to fix my broken child. I don't know how to fix my marriage. I don't know how to fix my health our finances. I don't know how to fix it. There's nothing in me that can fix it. Well, the first place you go is to the Word, looking for a promise of God, where you can find where He's promised you in His Word that the answer is yours. Now, that's not for everything. If you're believing for a marriage, you can't pick some person and say, I believe that's the one, and then latch on to that person in faith, because then you get into witchcraft. You know, So there's things that you can't stand on in the Word, you can say, Lord, if that's the one, I would like that. But sometimes we, we want to manipulate and have our version come to pass. So that's why we have to make sure it's a promise in the Word to us specifically, such as healing. There's promises in the Word on healing, your provision. There's promises in the Word of your deliverance of sin. There's promises in the Word of the salvation of your family, overcoming emotional battles. There's promises of Word for your marriage to be strong. All those things. But you have to hold on to those promises. So the first step is to find the promise in the Word. And if you don't know where to look, if you go to my website, alantaylorministries.org, we have sheets of promises that are for you that you can download and and look at and uh, use as proof that the Word says, I have a right to believe for this. Because isn't that one of the tricks of the devil, that when you're taking a stand for something, the devil comes along and whispers in your ear, says, really, that's not for you. That's for someone else. That's not a promise you can hold on to. It's important that you get these promises, keep them in your heart, and they'll come in forms of confession sheets as well that help you to speak it out of your mouth, the truth of the Word of God for you and for your situation. And so we hit these impossible situations, whether it's our calling God's made promises in, through prophecy to us about this is what I'm going to use you in, this is where I'm going to take you, but you don't see how that's going to happen. In fact, you've been following God and it seems like you're going the opposite way. And so, again, the danger is in following God, in standing on a promise of God, is that we give up and we begin to fix it ourselves or try to, try to manipulate the situation to give us the answer we want now. And when you get discouraged... That's half of what happens. The devil tries to get you to quit trusting God. And once he bumps you off of that path, then you're going to struggle and flounder for the rest of your life. So we want to hold on to the promises. Even if all hell comes against us, even if it looks like there's no answer coming, even if it looks like God's abandoned us, we'll never give up on the promises of God. And so that's the first step, is to anchor your heart, your mind, your thoughts, your emotions, all into the promise of God that says, this is where I'm going. You anchor there. That means you you stick a flag in it. You, You anchor yourself in there. And you're not allowed to ever let go of that. On your worst day of emotions, when it looks like everything's going to fail, when everyone in the around you is telling you it's going to fail, when your own mind's telling you it's going to fail, when the devil's telling you it's going to fail, when the dog's telling you it's going to fail, 
when you walk outside and the birds look at you and, and shake their head like, I give up, you're going to fail. When everyone in the world says it's going to fail, you're not allowed to give up on the promise that God's given to you. And whatever you're going through, whether it's, again, you're calling, God, I want you to use me, God's made you promises, whether it's your family, your health, your finances, the battle you're in, whatever it might be, you're not allowed to let go of the truth of the Word of God, the promise of the Word of God, no matter what. No matter who and says what, who says you're crazy, if you have a promise of the Word of God, you hold on to it. That's step number one. Step number two is to come back to life where you are right now. So we anchor in the promise of God that's somewhere in the future. It might be in the next 10 minutes and maybe 20 years from now. That's irrelevant. The fact is, once you anchor into the promises of God, you're not letting go of that promise no matter what until it becomes fully into your life. And no matter what, no matter who says what or what you go through, you've anchored in and then you come back to reality where you are today. Now, we want to be careful we don't play... Oh, denial, the game of denial, where we we say, well, God's going to heal me or God's going to fix it. Then we just wait and we sit around and celebrate it, thinking God's going to do it all. Well, if God could do it, it would already be done. So this is a partnership of faith where you are walking with God from where you are to the fullness of the answer. God's not the one withholding our answers. God is not the one that's stuck we're stuck and we need his help but we can't just brush everything off to him and say okay i'm just going to keep doing what i'm doing in life and riding around and have a good time and and then you're just going to have to fix it because that's not faith that's denial that's denying the circumstances you're in and pretending that god's going to fix it because he's a good god he is a good god and he loves you and he knows how to fix it he wants to fix it but he needs our cooperation because he needs faith. Otherwise, we would never be in the situation. It would already be fixed. Because if he had his way, we would not have the struggles we're in. When you go to heaven, you'll find that everything's perfect. Love, joy, peace, healing, health, happiness. All that's in heaven. That's where God's in charge. But on the earth, it's a whole different situation. God has to work through us. And in our circumstances, we have to accept that God has to work through us. So it's a when you anchor into the truth of the word, that's a, a pathway comes backwards right to where you are, and that pathway will take you to the victory. And God's ordained that pathway. I heard Pastor Dave say that the pathway to the cross is as final and secure as the cross itself. And what he meant by that is the pathway the path, the steps I take to get to the answer, to get to the victory that was purchased at the cross. We know the promise is secure. We know that Jesus did heal and did offer healing for us. We know that he set us free from sin. We know that he has promises for us. And these are promises that are built on Jesus, what Jesus did and not what we do. And so we take those promises and we know they're secure. But they're not the only thing that are secure. The other thing that's secure as the cross itself is the pathway from where I am today to where that is part of my life. The answer becomes part of my life. And the impossible comes into my life, into my situation. Because it's, it's okay to fight with things that you can fix. But when you hit something that you can't fix, 
And I'm talking about your calling too, because too many, too many preachers are out there trying to serve God. Well, too many people serve God in their own ability rather than allow Him to walk them step by step into their calling. And so we want to look at a few verses today and then uh, we're going to just study a bit and get in our hearts that the truth is what matters. And my belief in the truth, number one, is I anchor my heart, my mind, my emotions, my thoughts, my mouth. I anchor that into the truth. I will never say that I will not be healed. I will never say that I will not finish my calling. I will never say that God has abandoned me. I'll never say that we're not prosperous. I'll never say it. I'll never say my marriage isn't strong. I'll never say my family isn't serving God. I'll only speak the truth, which is the Word of God. Facts are different, but truth changes facts. The truth is the Word of God and the promises of God for you in your situation. So that's why it's important you find the verse that goes with your need. So you can say, the Lord said this. This is for me. I'm not letting go. I refuse to let go no matter what. And then you follow that path all the way back to where you are at this moment. And you look around and you have an honest look and honest talk with God. A realistic, honest talk with God about what you need to do to take another step on that path forward. And that's why we don't just deny our situation. When Abraham spoke those things as being not as though they were, as it says in Romans, he didn't say, I speak those things that are as though they're not. See, that's denial. I don't have a situation. I don't have a problem. God's got it all. No, you have a problem. You have a situation. You're living in it every moment of the day, and it weighs on you and it struggles with you. So we're not to say, I don't have a problem. But what we do say is, my problem is answered in God, so therefore I'm going to follow the path and I will get the answer into my life, no matter how impossible it seems. Here's a verse in Isaiah. These are a couple of my favorite verses, especially when you're going through difficult times. Isaiah 40, verse 29. He gives power to the weak and to those who have no might. He increases strength. So remember that, because there may be days that you feel you have no strength. You have nothing left. I'm all done, God. I, I can't do, handle this anymore. I can't do this anymore. You go to Him for strength, because the path you're on is as secure as the answer, the victory. You just have to stay on it and keep walking in it. Too many believers quit walking in faith, quit standing in faith, because they waited too long. Brother Norval Hayes used to say all the time that faith does not wear a watch, my brother and sister. And he simply, again, he simply meant quit looking at your watch and wondering when it's going to happen. It's already done. The promise is made. Don't give up on that promise. You're anchored into that. You are not allowed to change course, ever let go of that. You never are allowed to let go of the promises of God. Your mind, you, you make it stay there. Your mouth, you make it stay there. Your thought life, you make it stay there. Other people's opinions, you make it line up with that. You line up with this promise of God for your situation. And you never let it go. You're not allowed to ever let it go. That's the anchor of your faith. That's how you stand in faith. Then you come back to where you are. You follow that path every day. And you will get there. The Word of God is true. And when you're weak, you, go, you get strength. You don't change course. He gives power to the weak and to those who have no 
might he increases strength. Even the youth shall faint and be weary, and the young man shall utterly fail. But those who wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. This is our verse. I'm not going to take the path of the youth and the strong who think they're strong enough to handle it and fix it and make it okay. I'm going to take the path of waiting on God and following His steps. I'm going to wait on God and follow His steps because His promises are true. And God won't just see me victorious. I'm going to mount up with wings like eagles and fly. I'm going to fly above every circumstance and situation. The next verse I want to look at is just right next door in chapter 41. Verse 10. Fear not, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will uphold you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. So it's a nice promise there from God. Don't be afraid. Whatever you're facing, one of the biggest things that get Christians off course is they hit the fear that I'm stuck here. Nothing's going to change. This isn't working. I'm not good enough. I haven't done enough. All those lies the enemy tells you. And God is speaking to you in this circumstance saying, Fear not, I'm with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and I'll help you. God's not abandoned you. He is right there with you and he has an answer for you. And the answer is the Word of God and the promise in the Word of God. And we set our mind to that. That means when we set our heart and our mind and our soul and our our mouth and everything else to that promise, this is it. I'm not letting go of this no matter what. This is going to happen. And then we take the path all the way back to where we are right now. Then we hold on to that. And on that path, you'll find He'll ask you to confess the Word. He'll ask you to pray and change and do what you can. But it's not to fix it, it's to keep you on the path of the promise where God's able to fix your situation. We don't give up on that. We never, ever, ever give up on the promise of God. Not for a moment, not for a second. I don't care if the whole world is screaming at you, you failed, it's not working. You look the whole world in the face and keep your chin straight. You say, I will not move. My mind is set on the promises of God. And that's it. Because his word is true. I had a, a very dear friend of mine when I was young. He was one of my youth, in my youth when I was a young youth pastor. And I had moved uh, a few years later down to the United States from Canada. And in the winter, this young man had driven across a highway with his car. And I, I believe it was a cement truck or a dump truck in the winter. Was driving at highway speed and crashed into him on the driver's side of his car. Uh, and it was a winter accident. It was really uh, no fault. The visibility was bad. But he had uh, been hit so bad, they took him to the ambulance. The ambulance took him to the hospital. And the doctors looked at him, and they, said, they told the family, he is brain dead. He's breathing, but his brain is dead. And the way they described it was, that because of the impact, and it was on his side, and they didn't have airbags at this time, or that car didn't anyway, and it had hit him so hard that his head bounced and slammed up against the window and slammed back and forth that it rattled his brain so hard that the brain actually 
let go of itself. So the little pieces of brain just kind of let go of themselves and really turn into mush. And that's how the doctor described it to the family. They said, we're sorry, your son is brain dead. He was hit so hard that uh, his brain has been turned to mush. So we're going to suggest that you just let go and understand that if he lives, he's going to be a vegetable his whole life. And uh, But we don't think he's even going to live. And so the family had to make a choice. Do we choose that as our answer? Or do we stand for a miracle? And God bless them. They, they stood for a miracle. And the church went into prayer and intercession and stood for a miracle. And I remember because I'd heard about this, and it was a dear friend of mine, and I, I flew back to Canada to be with him for a little bit in the family. And I remember going into the hospital room and sitting there with the parents in the waiting room, just sitting there, and it's still raw. They're still standing, God bless them, standing for a miracle. And I remember every once in a while you'd hear on the intercom while we're in the ICU waiting room, uh, Dr. Johnson, room 202, Dr. Smith, room 205, in our, and we'd hear that. Then every once in a while you'd, you'd hear just different requests. And then we're talking, we'd hear Dr. S- uh, Stevenson, room two, two and you couldn't want to hear the end, and the parents would get anxious. One moment they're totally at peace, and the next moment they're anxious. And what they say, well, Dr. Stevenson, that's his doctor. And he's in room 205. I didn't hear what room it was, but I just want to make sure he's okay. Like, is there something wrong? And then they have, I think it's cold blue, which is when they set an alarm off and they ask all the nurses to go to a certain room. And every once in a while we'd hear cold blue. Understandably, they would panic and they would get emotional and think, well, it's over. And none of them were for their son in my visit. And I remember I got to go pray for him. The anointing was really strong. But he was brain dead, according to the doctors. And the church kept praying. The family kept praying. And I think it was a month, maybe. I'm not sure on that for sure. But it was a little bit of time where the doctors had constantly tried to get the parents to quit believing for him to come back. To accept reality to accept the possible, to accept it. Well, they held on to the Word of God, and they stood, and the church stood and prayed, and and the doctor said they were being irrational. The doctor said they, they just were not handling reality and not accepting the reality of it. I think it was after a month, all of a sudden, he opened his eyes. Well, he opened his eyes, but that doesn't mean anything. He's still brain dead. And then his eyes started to follow, and then he began to speak. And then a little while later, he got up, started to walk, then began to live. Ended up being fine, living a life. Went to college, got a degree, got married. I mean, all this out of impossible life. Out of a situation that was impossible, because the family refused to stop believing and standing on the Word of God. Still a good friend of mine all these years later, living strong all these years later. And the doctor said there was no hope. There was no answer for them. Doctors don't know. They do their best, but they don't know. 
And so we stand on the Word of God and we never let go of the Word of God. We hold on to it. Let's go over to Genesis chapter 6. And let's look at a situation of the impossible. I always love this story. It's actually quite short in the Bible, but it's so significant. I'm just going to start in chapter 6 of Genesis. Verse 5. Chapter 6, verse 5. Then the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. So the world was nonstop evil, even in the thought life, the whole world. And the Lord was sorry that he had made man on the earth, and he was grieved in his heart. So the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast, creepy things, and birds of the air, for I am sorry that I made them. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Such a powerful moment. Now, I know I know that sometimes we think that Noah convinced God, but really God was looking and waiting for Noah to rescue the world. And, and so Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. He was the only righteous man left in the whole earth. The whole earth. Only one righteous man in the whole earth. This is a genealogy of Noah. Noah was a just man, perfect in his generations. Noah walked with God. And Noah begot three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. The earth was corrupt before God, and the earth was filled with violence. So God looked upon the earth, and indeed it was corrupt, for all the flesh had corrupted their way on the earth. Never forget, the flood was an act of compassion, not an act of judgment. And God said to Noah, The end of the flesh has come before me. For the earth is filled with violence through them. Behold, I will destroy them with the earth. Make yourself an ark of gopher wood. Make rooms in the ark and cover it inside and outside with pitch. So the Lord begins to tell him how to make an ark. And we know this story, but it's important principles in here that this is a pretty big task that God has given to Noah. I would say it's probably an impossible task. That God gave to Noah. Meaning that Noah is going to have to learn to lean on God to make it come to pass. We estimate that by the time God spoke to Noah about the ark, until the time it was finished, was roughly 100 years. So it was 100 years of holding on to the promise. And we, we all know the, the Sunday school lessons where they talk about how probably the people in the world came and laughed at Noah for building an ark. Because we, we understand that it, it didn't rain, that there was a mist on the ground that came up from the earth, but it had not ever rained. And so Noah's building an ark for a place that has never rained before in the whole earth. We accept that, and here's Noah following the instructions that didn't make sense to reality, and having to trust God no matter what, that he heard God and he held on to it. Noah had to trust him. Day after day after day. It's easy to trust God for a week. It's easy to believe God and and stand strong for six months sometimes. What about a year or two years or four years? How long has your wait been? Does it seem too long for you? How about a hundred years? How about Noah for a hundred years? Holding on to the promise of God and working at it along the way. And that's how we are walking out our impossible need to God is we are anchoring ourselves in the vision, in the Word of God, the promises of God, 
like Noah did in the promise that God told him, I, I want to, you to build an ark. And then he came back and Noah had to get up every day and build that ark. He couldn't just sit around and say, ha ha, ha ha ha, I get to go over to the new world. God's rescuing me. But it was important he built his ark. And that's kind of the, the process that I believe that we need to get the instructions, get the promise and come back, follow that path all the way back. Because that path is is as secure as the promise itself. So I know that if I just keep walking on this path and doing on that path what I'm supposed to do, I will get there. And how long it takes, that doesn't matter. I just know I'm going to get there. And you will too. And so we come back and then we begin to work. Well, what work do I do? You confess the word. You pray in tongues. You hold on to the word. And you change whatever God tells you to change. Or maybe some things you do need to change. And you do that by his instructions. So the Lord told Noah to do something that was impossible. And he told him to do something that was impossible that didn't even make sense. To build an ark in a place that's never rained. Can you imagine the the whole world making fun of you? Laughing at you? Telling you you're crazy? You didn't hear God. You just had pizza and fell asleep. You didn't know God. you just crazy. You're crazy. And Noah did this for about a hundred years, built the ark and held on to the promises of God. The promises of God are real and they're true. The promises he made to you are truth. And facts do not change truth. Truth chains facts. Now let's look at verse 17. And behold, I myself am bringing floodwaters on the earth to destroy from under the earth all flesh in which is the earth of life, everything that on earth shall die. So this was the promise to Noah. And the promise was, I'm going to build an ark for you and your family and a pair of living creatures to come with you from the one creation over through the flood into the new world. And we're going to start again. And again, this was an act of compassion from God to rescue all of humanity, to give all of us a chance to be saved. Because if the world had turned and Noah had fallen, there would be no Christ for us to be born again. It was an act of love. So Noah was the one responsible. That's a lot of responsibility, to not give up, to not quit. Well, there's the responsibility on you too for your calling, for your future, for your family, to not give up and not quit. You giving up and quitting, that affects a lot of people, not just yourself. And God has that victory for us already, even if it doesn't look like it. Even if it doesn't have any proof, you have no proof, zero proof that it's going to work. You have nothing. I have no, give me some evidence, they might say. Give me some proof that that answer you're seeking, that you're holding on to, is going to happen. I have nothing. Well, how do you know it's going to happen? I have His Word. I have His promise. And that's what we're going over to Second Peter chapter 3. I hope you're enjoying this today. We are so blessed to share the Word and walk in the promises of God. And the Word of God and the promises of God are truth. You get them in your heart, in your spirit, man, and they will affect you. They will change your life. They'll change your thoughts. Second Peter chapter 3 Beloved, I now write to you this second epistle in both of which I stir up your pure minds by way of a reminder, 
that you may be mindful of the words which were spoken before by the holy prophets and of the commandment of us, the apostles of the Lord and Savior. Knowing this, first, that scoffers will come in the last days walking according to their own lusts, and saying, Where is the promise of God, of His coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. This is how the devil discourages you and lies to you and and frustrates you through voices of well-meaning people, through voices of wrong-meaning people, through voices of the devil, and even your own natural flesh itself. You'll hear all kinds of opinions, and opinions don't matter. It's the truth that matters. You may hear all kinds of ideas and thoughts and accusing, saying, where is God? If this promise is true, where is it? Where is the promise? If it's true, where is he? And this is what's going to happen. The scoffers will come and use the patience of God and the timeline from where you are to when you actually walk into the impossible. On that timeline, they stop and stand there and they say, hey, Stop here. It's like if you're riding down the road and there's a little lemonade stand and some kid's selling lemonade and you stop and they say, hey, I'm advertising false doubt and lies and and scoffing. Do you want a drink? Well, you're not supposed to stop there and drink it. Don't drink that. Don't stop there. Keep moving on. Those thoughts where they hit you from opinions of people, you must hold on to the promise and keep moving on. Don't stop for lemonade that's sour and not truthful. Even if it's well-meaning. You have a role to finish your course, to not give up on the impossible, and to hold on to the promises of God. This is what the devil does to try to discourage you, to get you to let go of the promise. He doesn't want you walking into the promise of the impossible. He's nervous that once you do, you're going to spread that idea around the world. He doesn't want that. Verse 3, Knowing this, that scoffers will come in the last days walking according to their own lusts. And saying, Where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. For this they willingly forget, but by the word of God the heavens were of old, and the earth standing out of water and in water, by which the world that then existed perished, being flooded with water. But the heavens and the earth, which are now preserved by the same word, are reserved for fire until the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly man. So now he's talking about just because Jesus hasn't returned yet doesn't mean he lied. It doesn't mean it's not happening. But there's a time of of walking and waiting. And in that time, we don't change course. And he said these guys willingly forgot that God created the heavens and the earth. And they're still standing on his word. So for all of heaven, your breath in this world, just your breath, the gravity, everything God created is here. It was all created by the Word of God, the same Word that is promising you your victory. If you don't believe God's Word is true, you want to test if God's Word is true. Take a big heavy brick and hold it over your toe. And then say, God, is your Word true? If your Word is true, then this brick will fall down and break my toe. And then drop the brick and see what happens. Because God created the earth, 
And his word is what created it. And there's gravity right now. That's part of the creation of this world. You want to know if God's word is true? See if there's gravity. Go ahead. Because you'll find out his word is true. And it's the same thing we stand on for our promise. Our promise for a miracle. Our promise for our healing, our body, our family, our marriage, our finances, our calling. So many things when you walk with God are impossible. And it can seem like, why am I always having to live this way where everything seems impossible? Well, because God's excited to have someone that will walk with Him and not run away. At least you're not running away like so many have. At least you're not trying to twist the gospel to mean something lesser than what it means. Just because you're tired of waiting. God bless you for standing. Keep standing. Hold on to that Word of God and don't give up. It's true. Everything else is a lie. We never let go of that, not for a second, not for a moment, do we allow ourselves the right to let go of that promise for our victory. And then we take the steps day by day to walk towards that through praying and fasting, meditating the Word, and obeying what God tells you to do. But the heavens and the earth which are now preserved by the same Word are reserved for fire under the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly man. But, beloved, do not forget this. One thing with the Lord, one day is a thousand years, and a thousand years is one day. Verse 9. Underline this in your Bible. Meditate this. The Lord is not slack concerning His promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but all should come to repentance. So the Lord is not slack to His promise. This is a promise of salvation for the world. But he's not slack to our promise, the promise of victory that Jesus has already purchased for us. Those promises, he is the truth. God's word is the truth. There's nothing that can change that. The only difference is will you hold on to it? and Will you stand on the word of God and on the promises of God? Will you hold on to it not let go, never let go, but hold on to the promise? I have promises that God gave me when I was young about my future, about my calling. Wonderful promises. I'm so blessed that he spoke these things and I saw it in visions myself where I would be in the future. The problem is, number one, to get there, I had no no ability in my own self to get there to make what he told me I was going to do come to pass. I had no way of making it happen. It was impossible. And I had to trust that that was for me. I had to trust that he was speaking to me, that this is for you. And then the second thing is not to go make it happen. Because some of the things he told me, I could have made happen in the natural, but I had to trust him. Which means that when I'm walking with him and obeying him on this path, sometimes the path takes a shift to the left and it goes in a different direction. And I'm looking at my where my victory is. And I'm like, God, I'm supposed to be going this way to my calling Why do you have me going this way, away from my calling? Well, that's the trust of the relationship. That's the beauty of the relationship between you and God, where He wants you to follow Him and trust Him. That If He says, go left, and your calling is to the right, trust Him, because you will get there to the calling. You will get there to the promise. But you have to trust that the path is there for a reason. He's working something in you. He's helping you to stand up in faith, to stand up in holiness, stand up in victory. The promises of God are not slack. I'm going to read verse 9 again. The Lord is not slack concerning His promise. 
He's not slack. It is sealed and done and true. And even for my calling, as I see the things that God's promised to me, and my path that that I have for that is different places, different locations, I have to trust Him. I have to trust Him that He will make come to pass what He told me. It's not my job to make it come to pass. Because if I try to make it come to pass, I'll probably mess it up really bad. But His path is secure, as secure as the answer itself. As the cross itself, the path to the cross is just as secure. Your path to your victory is sealed if you stay on the path. Hence the fight from the enemy. Hence the fight from the world is to get you to let go to get off the path. Because if you can get off the path, you won't see the victory. If you stop on the path, you won't see the victory. There is work to be done. It's not work to move God. It's not work to try to get God to change. The work to be done is to grow in our knowledge, to grow in faith, to stand in faith, and maybe make some changes He's asking us to make. There's things we do to walk down this path. It's not all automatic. The promises of God are where you'll get to if you don't give up, if you follow the right path. So the first thing we do when we're believing God for something, for the impossible, something that you don't know how to fix, you're frustrated with, a situation that God is your answer and He's your only answer, then we find the truth in the Word of God. We look in the Word, we find the promises. If you go to my website, you will find the confession sheets there, the scriptural promises for what you're going through. And so you look at those scriptures, those promises. That's the very Word of God. I mean, that's we're looking at something that is as concrete as concrete is, as tough as a diamond, as unmovable as granite. This is We're talking about the Word of God is unchanging and is held by the power of His Word. His Word is not movable. It's impossible for it to fail. The very movement of the earth is telling us how powerful His Word is. The very fact we see a sun tells us how powerful His Word is. The very fact that there's still gravity, there's still stars in the sky, there's still air to breathe, tells you the very power of His Word is so powerful. He spoke it once, and all these generations later, everything's still running because He spoke it. And it came out of his mouth. Well, so did the promises that you have for your situation. It's that secure. It's that sacred. It's that powerful. We don't mess with that. That's the truth. So we hold on to the truth of God, the promises of God for my situation. That's my anchor. That's where I am going. And I do not allow my mind to change course. I don't allow people in my life who are negative, who are... uh, They may be well-meaning, but they're realistic. They just say, you know, really, why don't you just do this? Why don't you just do that? Why don't you just accept this or accept that or move on? Many of those people in my life over the years I've had to walk away from because they begin to agree with my struggle. They begin to agree with the devil's opinion. And, And we don't let go of the Word of God. We hold on to the promises of God No matter what, it doesn't matter if the whole world is against you. You are allowed to hold on to the Word of God. You're not allowed to let go of that promise. You tell your mind and your heart, you tell your flesh, I'm not moving from this promise. This promise is going to happen in my future. It will happen. It's already been done. It will happen. And then 
you follow that path back to where you are right now and you say, God, what can I do? What am I supposed to do? Number one, to stay on the path. You confess the word. You pray in tongues. You hold on to the promise. But then he may ask you to make changes in your life, to spend more time dealing with things and and overcoming things and make changes that he says. But that's all part of walking down the path. That's all part of walking down the path of victory, is that you know that you have to make whatever changes. But it's never to move God. It's to walk in line with God. The things he's asking me to change are not in line with the will of God. So I have to get in line with the will of God to stay on the path. Because if I stay on the path and I'm moving forward, I will get the victory. The victory that's promised in the Word of God. Everything else is a lie. There's no truth in it. There's no truth. I have one pastor friend of mine, such a good man. I went to go visit him, and he had been fighting something for about two years. He's a faith man to the core. He wouldn't go to the doctor. He's just raw and tough, and he's the John Wayne of faith guys that I know. Well, he was in the hospital (laughs) and almost dead. They finally took him to the hospital under protest and almost dead. And the word of the Lord came to him and said, it's all a lie. There's no truth in it. They'd asked me to go up and preach during this time. And I went up to preach for him. I visited him in the hospital. And when I was there, the Lord told me not to pray for him. The Lord told me, don't pray for him. He already has his answer. And normally you throw out a prayer anyway, but I chose not to pray. I was just there. Well, I was preaching at his church while he was in the hospital and almost dead. And all of a sudden he showed up healed. So healed, he took the last service and preached forever and anointed. And what he told me afterwards, he said, Alan, it was all a lie. The devil was telling me a lie. God told me it was a lie. It was all a lie. And I received my miracle. What he did by refusing to go off the course. Now, I want to pause here because I don't want anyone to think that I'm saying don't go to the doctor or don't take medicine because I believe those are part of I have many friends who got the miracle that medicine and doctors kept them alive long enough until the miracle manifests. So I'm not against that. I'm not saying that. But for this, that one pastor, that's how he stood. But ended up in the hospital. But he ended up being miraculously healed. And he came up and preached. He said, Alan, it was all a lie. It was all a lie. It was all a lie. And God healed him. Well, I, I have similar situation in my life where I suffered a stroke many years ago and during the moment of the battle for my life, the Lord told me that the devil had come to end, darkness had come to kill me, but it couldn't know that I'm already healed. Just walk it out. Those were my instructions. You're already healed. Walk it out. So it can be discouraging when you don't see the answer quick enough. It can seem frustrating when you have the same problem in your face day by day, minute by minute. It can seem frustrating when it looks like nothing is changing. That one couple, when we were in the ICU with their son, and every time a doctor would come in and they heard their son's floor and a room close to it or the doctor's name, they would panic. And what was happening was they were putting their trust in the good reports. And good reports are great because they encourage us. But see, if our trust is in the good reports, and we get excited and celebrate when we get a good report, which we should do. But if we do, if our hopes get up, that means because of a good report. What that means is when a, if a bad report comes, our, our hopes get smashed and our emotions go way down. 
And that's kind of what I saw with this couple. And, and the Lord taught me so much with that because they were standing in faith. But I watched good reports brought us up in our hope and bad reports brought us down. And the Lord taught me that our faith must be in the Word of God, not in our circumstances. Because even a good report on the path is still not the full victory. So we get excited, but it's not our anchor. Our anchor is in the promise of the Word of God, not in circumstances. Because good good moments may get you excited and, and celebrating and hopeful, but if that's where your anchor is in good reports, then if a bad report comes, your anchor is going to go way down and you'll be struggling to get any faith out of you. So we hold on to the Word of God. We celebrate in good reports, but that's not the anchor of our faith. The anchor of our faith is only the Word of God, nothing else. The promise of the Word of God. And we hold on to that promise. Whether it's good or bad reports, circumstances don't matter. But the one thing we never do is we don't let go of the promise. And then we walk out from where we are to the promise. And we follow God. And we don't give up. That's the answer of faith. That's the strength of faith. That's the foundation of faith. His word is true, and nothing's going to make me think differently about it. No circumstance, no devil, no well-meaning person, not even my own doubt is going to make me stop holding on to the promises of God. Hold on to His promise and don't let go. God bless you. Thanks for spending time with me.